like to welcome all of you who are uh, joining us via video uh, at our campus in Stevens Point, as well as those who watch us on the internet, uh, kind of jump in on our Bible studies with us, as well as all of you who are gathered here tonight. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. This is when we take a book of the Bible and we go through it one verse at a time, keeping it all in perspective, all in context. Let me encourage you, uh, when you come to the Wednesday night Bible studies, bring your Bible with you so you can see whether or not I'm making this stuff up. And you can follow along and look where we've been and where we're going. You can cheat. You can do the whole deal and, uh, and get a sense of the context of how these things were written. Now, we are in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. It's probably my favorite book of the Bible. It is a historical account of what happened in, in the early church and uh, how they processed Christianity and how they took this in, these incredible words that Jesus had spoken and, uh, and take, took them to the world. Remember, Jesus just did his ministry in Jerusalem, in, 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 in Israel, I mean, and uh, uh, didn't travel all over the place. But yet, just from that one place, after living for, doing his ministry for three years, then dying and being raised from the dead, then he gave it to his disciples and said, you guys go change the world. You guys go change the world. And I, I just, you know what's so cool about it, is uh, I am convinced, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the devil hates you. And he hates me. He just, you know why? Because we, we remind him of God. We were made in God's image. I don't know if that means physically. Or there's something about us that when he looks at us, he's, I hate those people. Because they remind him of God and he hates God. And, uh, and he despises us. And in fact, when you read the story of the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan himself did not come and talk to them. He sent a serpent. To talk to them and inspired the serpent, spoke through the serpent. Why? Because he's much too high in mighty to come to speak to people. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to send a snake or something. Go talk to them. I mean, he despises his people. So, he torments people, causes hatred, destruction, wars, pestilence, all these things. People often say, well, you know, there's a God. Why do all these things happen? Uh, they happen because there's a devil. And because there's sin and there's stupidity rampant in the earth, most of it inspired from Satan himself and selfishness and wickedness and all these kind of things that bring all this heartache and pain. And just he just hates people, hates them, hates them, hates them. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus is loving on people and caring for people and it just fries the devil. Not literally, he's going to fry someday, but he's frying, he's just upset. And he hates Jesus and finally conspires to inspire people to take him and to kill him and to crucify him. Uh, the devil really thought that would be the end of it. Thought he had really had a victory. In fact, the Bible says that if Satan would have known that God was going to raise him from the dead and what was going to happen as a result, the Bible says he would have never crucified the Lord. <laughs> he had never done this. When he realized what happened, what he let loose. What is it that he let loose? You and me. And I think it's fabulous as the insult of all insults that not is Jesus himself going to go out and change the world. Now he's going to get all these people the devil hates and despises. All these little nitwits. All these people who he thinks are nothing but flies in the, in the poop of life. And these people went and changed the world. And these people went and kicked his butt. And these people went and lived victoriously. And the gates of hell itself could not prevail against them. People like you and me. 
and just fries him. <laughs> God says, I ain't going to do it. I'm sending these guys. They're going to kick your butt. They're going to cause trouble. They're going to turn the world upside down, as, as we'll read later in the book of Acts. So anyway, we read this incredible history of what they did. And what's amazing about this, they had nothing to reference to. We have a reference. We, we have had Christianity for 2,000 years. We kind of know what to do. And this, but these guys, they were starting from scratch. They had no idea. They were with Jesus for, what, 30, 40 days. Then he goes into heaven. Wow, there he goes. And now they start moving and changing the world. It starts, what, with, with the Holy Spirit coming on everybody. That's what changed everything. That's what empowered all these little tiny people. It was bad enough when he had Jesus in one spot. Now he's everywhere. He is. Little Jesus everywhere. The Spirit of God and everybody. Causing all kinds of trouble. And the devil was just fit to be tied. And uh, so these guys go out and they start preaching the gospel. And right away that very first day 3,000 people get saved. And these guys are all hanging out. We read at the end of chapter 2. How they were all kind of like in this big commune and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, everybody was sharing everything and selling everything. Of course, uh, you know, people say, well, should we live that way today? There's no evidence anywhere that we should live that way. We will read a few other places where it says they live like this for a while. But I believe that the reason they did this is because they really thought Jesus was coming like right back. He'll be here any minute. And, and you know, why, why go, go work? <laughs> Jesus is coming. Who cares if you pay your MasterCard bill this month? You know what I'm saying? So they're just kind of chilling and hanging and, and the stuff. And, and it took a while for them to realize this wasn't going to happen right away. I will say this. Though, that though literally, uh, I don't think God wants us to live like these guys did in, in the beginning in some gigantic uh, commune. Boy, that's all we'd need. <laughs> People think we're already in a cult. You know. Now they're up there in a commune. Good Lord, you know. Um, <laughs> that we're not supposed to do that. But yet the spirit of what they did should be in the church. And what is that? That spirit that, you know, what I have is yours. I'm here for you. Uh, everything I have belongs to God. And I'm his servant. And this spirit of willingness to share and stuff should still be in believers. Even though we don't all believe in the big old commune or something. Anyway, so picking up at chapter 3, verse 1. So. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth, understand that, crippled not recently, but from birth. This is a guy who's never walked in his life, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So he was there every day, every day, every day. Now keep think about this. He was there, no doubt, many times watching Jesus walk past him. Right there, witnessing this stuff, but no one really talked to him, and he was still crippled all that time. Uh, so when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, which is what he did. He was there to beg. It's the only way that he could generate income. Well, Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. 
And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And when he went with them into the court temples, he was walking, jumping, and praising God. Walking, jumping, and praising God. This guy goes to celebration church. He's just, he's, what is this guy? He's loud and he's jumping and he don't get so excited. We don't do that in our church. But he couldn't help himself. He was excited. He was thrilled. Holy stinking cow, I can walk. Now, I got to tell you, consider The depth of this miracle. This is really mind-boggling. It would be one thing for the guy just to get strong, healthy legs and ankles. That in and of itself would be, wow. Okay? What an incredible deal. But instantly, he starts to walk. And jump. And stop and think about that. If you had never walked before in your life, and suddenly... A medical miracle were to occur where they suddenly brought strength and feeling to your legs. At the max, you're talking of months and months and months of therapy. Learning how to use the legs. Learning how to walk as you walk and you fall and you stumble because you have to get a sense of balance now in your life because now you have legs. That alone would be, Ho Chi Mama, what a miracle! But check it out. This guy from birth like this suddenly gets pulled up and not only does he receive strength, the guy can walk. Just like that. I mean, that's a bigger miracle than the fact that he can walk at all. Not only can he walk, he can jump. And he's got total balance. You see, can God do that? Yes. Yes, he can. Where he can make the impossible possible. And he can do it in your life. This is very, very cool stuff. Powerful stuff. The fact that, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't know. That's too much for me to believe. I I can't believe that happened. That's why stuff like that doesn't happen to you. (laughs) Because you don't believe. There's a believing factor here. You've got to believe it before you can start experience and say well man that that's really incredible yeah it's amazing what god can do and i'll tell you what here's an example of a creative miracle here's an example of how god like in the beginning created adam from the dust of the earth and when he breathed the breath of life he stood up he could walk he could talk he was just instantly there because that's what god can do he didn't have to evolve into a man he didn't have to go around for years first going, Alright? You mean God just created a man, he could just start talking? Yes. Well, how could he do that? He's God, you idiot. Do anything he wants. So here he does this for this guy instantaneously. Does the impossible at so many levels. But I also want you to remember the fact. He probably was there for a long time. For three years indeed he probably saw Jesus. Going in that temple and going out of that temple. Why do I point that out? Don't get discouraged when you don't get your miracle as quick as you think you should. That's what a lot of us do. Well I should have got it by now. God, he's healing all them other people. Why doesn't he heal me? He healed that blind man. Why doesn't he heal me? He did it for that guy. Oh, I guess, oh, I guess, oh, woe is me. 
and become full of dread and self-pity and despair. I got good news for you. God knows your situation. And he is there for you if you will trust him. So it hasn't happened yet. Well, whoop de stinking do. Things don't always happen as quick as you think. You know, oftentimes we read stuff in the Bible, we forget to put it in context. We say, what great, that guy got his miracle right away. I wish I could. No, he did not get it. All his life, he was like this. Number one. Number two, he saw Jesus walking around for years and Jesus never looked at him. Do you think Jesus knew he was there? I think so. Don't you think Jesus kind of walked by and smiled thinking, it's going to be cool when he starts walking. (laughs) Don't you think that? Like he knew what was going to happen. But it didn't happen. Why not? Well, for such a time as this. When he got his miracle, it shook the place. People absolutely freaked. So here he is jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. Why would they all recognize him? Because they'd all seen him all this time. That's why undoubtedly Jesus had seen him. All this time. They all recognized him. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. (laughs) I bet. I'd be going like, whoa. Well, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you why. (laughs) We ain't never seen it like this. Some of the questions they ask. It's like these angels that pop up in front of you and say, don't be afraid. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our own godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. So he starts preaching Jesus. And we're going to read his sermon. Now, oftentimes as we go through this, we're going to actually read what these guys said in their little sermons. Now, how they remembered everything they said, I don't know. I don't know if someone wrote it down. I don't know, maybe just the Holy Spirit is bringing it to their remembrance. It's just, you know, who was recording this stuff? I don't know, but we will read some of these sermons. And the one point about these sermons, as they start preaching, as I told you last week, is what they did is they continually referenced how God treated Jesus and how you treated him. God blessed him. You hated him. God valued him. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. And of course, that's brought huge conviction on them because here they had killed the Messiah. So he starts with that. Uh, He says, uh, God has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. Remember that? Crucify him! Crucify him! Give us Barabbas! We don't want this guy. These were the guys now talking. Amazed. Running. It's as though Pilate had decided to let him go. Remember Pilate wanted to let him go? But you bunch of squirrels, he says, you turned him over. Disowned him. Called for his crucifixion. He says, you disowned the holy and righteous one. Which is a phrase for the Messiah. And asked instead that a murderer be released to you. Barabbas. You killed the author of life. 
But God raised him from the dead. You killed him, God raised him. You put him down and God lifted him up. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. So he cuts them a little slack here. As did your leaders who really ramrodded this whole deal through. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You see, the one thing that we don't hear a whole lot of today is the first word. Repent. We just say, turn to God. Pray this simple prayer. Everything will be sweet. And wonderful in your life. You'll go to heaven. If you just pray this little prayer. Now we pray a simple prayer. All the time. In our Sunday services. Trying to point people to God. You notice how I refer to it though. I say this is your beginning steps of faith. I promise no immediate transformation. on their part, Unless they repent. If you're willing to turn from what's wrong I say. And turn to what's right. You can start to experience God in your life. This idea that all you have to do is believe. And it doesn't matter how you live. Is not biblical. They needed to repent. We need to repent. When you come to Christ you have to make a decision. I'm going to stop acting this way. And I'm going to turn to God. And ask him for forgiveness. Not I'm just going to keep acting like I always want. But... I'll be going to heaven now because I said a prayer. That is ludicrous. And we've, I think, led quite a few people astray presenting the gospel in that fashion, oftentimes. So anyway, he says, if you'll do this, uh, repent, and then turn to God, then your sins can be wiped out. Times of refreshing may come for the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. What is he saying? Look, repent, trust in God, he'll forgive you of your sins, and because you finally get saved, then he can send Jesus back. They understood that one of the main reasons for preaching the gospel is once the gospel has been preached and people get saved, then Jesus can come. And remember, they're expecting him to come like, you know, in a week, a couple of months, year and a half max. So they're out there preaching so that, man, hurry up and get saved, you guys, so he, he can come back. All right? Now, he must remain in heaven talking about Jesus until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses had said... And this is, and, and now he starts quoting from, and they do this a lot in their sermons, quoting from the Old Testament to these people. Now, uh, something for you to notice, and we'll get to this when we get to when Paul starts preaching to people who never knew about the Old Testament. He didn't do that. A lot of times people say, well, if you, if you don't quote verses directly at people, they can't get saved. No, hogwash. They can. You don't need to quote chapter and verse all the time. The reason they did in so many of these sermons is because these were people who were raised in Judaism all their lives as young boys and young girls. They studied all of this. That was a point of reference for them. And one of the references that they were aware of is this prophecy that Moses had said about the Messiah coming. And this is, and he quotes it to them. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. This is Moses talking from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. So again, he's just bringing more conviction to these guys. I mean, it's a pretty hard sermon. You get that, right? God sent the Messiah. You killed him. Ow. 
Moses said, God will send a prophet. You have to listen to him or you'll have no part of the kingdom of God. That's what you did. Ow. I mean, he was very strong with them. Indeed, all the prophets he continues to preach, from Samuel on, and as many as have spoken, have foretold of these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, again, he quotes from the Old Testament, through your offspring, all peoples on the earth will be blessed. He was, they were all aware of this a word that God had spoken to Abraham. Well, when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Well, the priests, going on chapter 4 now, remember these chapters and numbers were all thrown in later. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So they're, he's giving this sermon. They're preaching to them. They walk up, they hear this, and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. I bet they were disturbed. They were the ones who instigated his death. And if God had raised him from the dead, whoops, my bad. You know what I'm talking about? This is like a big boo-boo here. Well, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So just before this, there had been 3,000 people who had been converted. Now after this, another 2,000 get saved after seeing this guy start walking and leaping and praising God. And when hearing the sermon, went, ow! And he started asking God to forgive them and repent and make it right. So now there's 5,000 believers. The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. Well they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is so cool. You have to remember, up to this point, the apostles, Peter and the like, were like the keystone cops of the Bible. And some of you are too young to know what that means, but these, these, these are the goofy, wacky guys. They're, they're disorganized, they're afraid, they're chicken. Peter means a rock. He wasn't a rock, he was a bowl of jello, this guy. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God falls on them, and these guys who were afraid and running, remember when the, they came to arrest Jesus, they all scattered like cockroaches when you throw the light on. All of a sudden, these guys are full of boldness and wisdom. And everybody's like, what happened to these guys? The Holy Spirit, see. Well, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, if this is what you, if this is what you want to know, well, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom... You crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. This would upset people. You get this, right? I mean, these guys were not messing around. They weren't just dancing around issues saying, you know, you just need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you just pray this one prayer, everything will be okay. I mean, these, these were life-changing in their face. Yo! Look what you did. You're in a terrible place. You need to get right with God. That is the message here. He says this Jesus Christ whom you killed. He is. And then he quotes from the Old Testament again. 
a scripture that they were all very familiar with from the Psalms. The stone you build is rejected, which has become the capstone. Now these guys had seen this verse all their lives, wasn't quite sure what it meant. Then what he's doing is showing them what that meant. This is that verse that you guys know. The, built, the stone you build is rejected. In other words, you guys who crucified him. This very stone you rejected now becomes the capstone, the cornerstone, the foundational stone. Again, ow. And then he says this, salvation is found in no one else. Everybody say no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Ooh, yeah. And for this, the world hates us. They will hate you for this. They will tolerate you. They'll tolerate your Christianity to some point. After all, everybody likes nice people. At least you Christians are very nice people. Are very well-meaning. Very good that you found your way to God. Yes, it's your way. Good for you. Yes, this is good for you. I'm thrilled that you found this. But we have our way to God. Everyone has their own way to God. Just ask Oprah. No. There's only one way to God. This is where people really start not liking us. Well, what you're implying then is very severe. What you're saying is if we don't believe in Jesus, we won't make it to heaven. Yeah, that's what we're implying. We're not implying it, we're saying it. So do you really believe it? It doesn't matter what I believe. Jesus said it. Jesus said, no man can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. So, so don't, never let them pin you on this. Well, is that what you're saying? Say, well, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Well, the way you is what Jesus said. You know, see, that really pushes because people say, well, Jesus was a good man. He was, he was a wonderful prophet. You know, well, Jesus, this wonderful prophet you talk about, said no one can get to God except through him. So either he wasn't a good man and a deluged, deranged maniac, or a liar. I mean, at some point you've got to start believing this or not believing it. It was Jesus who said this stuff. And it was the apostles who underscored it. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, that is a fundamental truth. Having said that, I don't think it's necessarily important to go around shoving that in people's faces. Are you hearing me? See, there's, there's love, grace, and truth. The Bible says we're part of grace and truth. There's the truth, and then there's grace. And, and you speak the truth in what? Love, the Bible says. Speak the truth in love. When I meet someone uh, uh, from the Hindu faith, there was someone here not too long ago who came to visit our church. Uh, they're both Hindus. I know they were, you know, and uh, I'd met them before. I said, oh, you came to church? So glad to see you. I didn't run up to them and say, you know, you Hindus are going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. Not the way to win friends and influence people, Okay. Now, at my core, do I believe that? Absolutely. In fact, it is what compels me to share my faith with people. To, you know what I'm saying? And if someone at some point pushes you to say, well, listen, honestly, yeah, this is what I believe because that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. Either you can believe Jesus or not believe Jesus. I choose to believe him. That's what he taught. Okay? But again, you just don't go around and just hammer people with this. Um, you know, my dad, all of my life, uh, was, was a Muslim. 
um, uh, my adopted dad, this happened when we were like two years old, three years old, I was actually born a Rodriguez. My name was Mark Ruben Rodriguez. My father's name was Ruben Rodriguez. My mother kicked him out because they couldn't agree on things in life. He wanted a girlfriend. She didn't agree. (laughs) (laughs) A few years later, she married my dad, Dr. Gunger. I became Mark Gunger. What happened to your middle name? It got tossed out with Ruben Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, I don't have a middle name. Mark Gunger. They they just wanted to get rid of Ruben. That was all there was to that. And uh, my dad is is from Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, Gunger is actually a, a Turkish name. You won't hardly ever find the name Gunger. If you ever run into anybody in this country with the last name of Gunger, it's either a brother, sister, or nephew, niece, something along those lines. I mean, you can open up the Los Angeles telephone book and not find the word Gunger, the last name Gunger. It's amazing. Chicago, actually, I did find one that wasn't uh, related to us. New York City phone book, I think you might one or two out, but it's extremely rare in this country. If you type in the word Gunger, it will send you to Turkish websites. It's very well known in Turkey. I mean, you'll see all over the place. And you can't read it because it's all... Which is Turkish. Um. (laughs) So, when I got saved, and my brothers and I got saved, we didn't go running to my dad and say, Dad, you're going to hell! Because under no other name can you be saved! That's not... Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, just just shoving truth in people's faces is not the way to do this. Now, in this case, they were very much shoving truth in their faces. But these are the very men and women who orchestrated the crucifixion of the Christ. These guys, you know, boom! So they were were pretty strong. I think it's okay to be strong and direct with people. But again, a little wisdom here. But fundamentally, yes, that's what we Christians believe. And it's that part that when we say that any group of Christians who really makes this statement, that's when the world starts hating them. Because they find this highly offensive. Highly offensive. And you can understand why. It is offensive. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, and they make these statements that this is the only way to God, that's that's a little offensive right there. You, You know what I'm saying? So, you know, at some point that's where... The rubber meets the road, but anyway, moving on. Well, it says this, these guys, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, remember, these guys were chickens up to this point. Something happened to them. They didn't know what it was. We now know it's because the Holy Spirit came and just revved them up. And they're just buzzing now. I mean, these guys went from the Keystone Cops to Jedi Masters, man. They'd slice these guys open. Their intestines are spilling out. And they saw the courage and realized that they were a bunch of nitwits. They were unschooled. They were ordinary men. They were astonished. How can he talk like this? These guys don't know nothing. They've never, they're not educated like myself. I understand. And here they are quoting scriptures and putting things together and making sense out of these Old Testament prophecies. And he's just rambling away to them. And they're going, whoa. Who are these guys? And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. <laughs> I love it. But since they could see the man who had been 
healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Yes! See, that's the beauty of a testimony. People can argue doctrine with you all day long. They can argue, you know, oh, I think we really evolved from monkeys. and there's, there's no proof of it, but we really believe it. And I believe this, and I think this, and they can argue all day long. But what they can't argue with is God moving in your life. Changing you. Saving you. The greatest testimony to the power of God, to people, are the people who knew you at your worst. The people who really knew you. And then you became a born-again Christian and your life changed. And they all went, holy cow, what happened to them? They might disagree with you. They may not like you. They may never have anything to do with you. They may hate the holidays because then you show up. (laughs) But one thing they cannot dispute is they are different. They might feel threatened by it. They might hate it. But there's nothing they can say. Particularly when your life was in a horrible tailspin and all of a sudden God starts lifting you up. And they go, whoa, that is absolutely fascinating. So anyway, when they saw this, there was nothing. Because the guy was standing right here. You can't say, no, he didn't do that miracle. (laughs) The guy standing right there. It's hard to debate. So they ordered them to withdraw from the sand. Get these guys out of here for me. We need to talk this over. And they said this, what are are we going to do with these guys? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. They were bummed. They were bummed. We can't deny it. They did this great miracle. Instead of going, wow, isn't this cool? Look what God can do. This is really bad. They did a miracle. We can't, can't deny it. Everybody's seen this. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men not to speak, to speak no longer in, to anyone in this name. So, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is the law. This is the rule. This is what we have decreed. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking what we have seen and heard. Oh. We cannot help but speak what we've seen and heard. You have to decide whether we're going to obey you or God. You say, does that ever come down to that? Yes, at times it does. At times there are laws that can come upon people of faith that we are to ignore. Well, brother, the Bible says we should obey the law. Yes, we should obey the law until the laws get in the way of obeying God. That is the standard, straight up. And people who say, well, we're just going to bear the law, I don't care what you say, you know. You're making a big mistake. We need to follow God. Pastor, have you ever broken the law in the name of God? Yes, I have. I have. I've, I've, as a young man, I remember smuggling Bibles into communist Europe. And uh, we'd come to the border, and the border guards would say, do you have anything to declare? We'd go, nope. Well, you were lying, Pastor. No, this wasn't declaring nothing. <laughs> well, you were you were breaking the laws. You were taking the Bibles into those people. That's right. You could have been arrested. Yep, you're right. I could have. Had a couple of friends who were. Wasn't a pleasant experience. But we need to obey God rather than men. When God says go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature and someone passes the law and says, well, you can't do that. We do it anyway. 
<laughs> well, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. That was a factor. It was a factor. Why did God allow him to suffer for 40 years? Why, God? Why, God? Why? Because he wanted him to be at least over 40 years old. That's exactly why. Because it's one thing, if you know, if you're just a little kid, well, I think maybe his legs just straighten out on his own. Or, you know, he's a teenager, he heals quick. You know, young people, they can heal real quick. I mean, every way you can look at it, try to explain it. Man, when you're 40 years old and everybody knows you and they have seen you for years and you've been this way from birth and all of a sudden there's a change in you, hard to deny. Don't get discouraged. Don't be frustrated. Don't give up hope when your miracle doesn't come as quickly as you wish, when your answer doesn't come as quickly as you like. Hold in there. Say, well, Pastor, why is it taking so long? I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Well, Pastor, you've gotten quick answers in prayer. Yes, I have. But I've gotten some that hasn't answered very quickly. In fact, if any of you would like to buy a condo in Stevens Point, give me a call. <laughs> Why haven't your answers in prayer at first been answered yet? I don't know. But I don't walk around going, <laughs> Oh, bother. Woe is me. Life is terrible. It just sucks. Hear that big sound? That's a sucking sound. I got to pay two mortgages. <laughs> do I like paying two mortgages? I do not. I don't. There's no joy in my soul. <laughs> I pay the mortgages. I pay the heating and cooling bills. I pay the taxes. I pay the maintenance fees. I pay all this money. For no stinking reason at all. All in a market where prices are dropping like a rock. (laughs) Am I depressed about it? I am not. Do I like it? No. How come you're not upset? Because I don't get my joy from my circumstances. This is not what satisfies me. Do I want things to straighten out? Of course I do. Am I praying and trusting God? Yes. Will they straighten out? You bet your sweet bippy they will. Why is it taking so long? I have no idea. But I'm not going to freak out. And whether it sells today or doesn't sell for another 20 years, oh Lord. (laughs) I am going to keep walking and jumping and praising God. Why? Because I've been healed. Hallelujah. And you know what? And when it sells, and it will sell someday, you're not going to see me go, Guess what? Guess what? My house, it finally sold. It finally sold. I'm not going to do that. Do you know why? Because it doesn't matter to my joy. When my house finally sells, I'm going to be just like this. Just like I am right now. There's a whole sermon in there. (laughs) Moving on. 
Well, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Referring to the Messiah. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and all the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus. Remember, this is all very fresh to them. This is just a few months ago when all this happened. Whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. We know, God, this was the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Messiah's suffering. And then they prayed, Now, Lord... Consider their threats and please make them stop. Lord, tell them to quit threatening us. Tell them to quit picking on us. Tell them to be nice. Is that what they prayed? He said, no, Lord, consider their threats and do this. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. By the way, they just told them not to do that. They said, we're laying down the law. The new law is you cannot talk about this Jesus. And they said, God, give us more boldness to preach it. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. (laughs) Man, that's when you know you had a prayer meeting. Man, God dug that prayer. God dug that prayer. Here they had every reason in the world to start whining and complaining and bellyaching and crying. And in the midst of this threat, they said, God, do that miracle got us in trouble. Do more miracles. That miracle that got us arrested and thrown in jail for the night. Do even cooler things than that. Give us boldness. Give us power. Give us authority. Preach your name. And all the angels are going, Woo! And the prince starts shaking. <laughs> Well, I don't think so, Pastor. It may have been coincident on that earthquake hit right about that time. <laughs> because we don't know these things, you know. <laughs> the meeting place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And then again, here's this picture. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Give it back. Give it back. No, it's mine. It's mine. No, it's mine. You ever watch Finding Nemo? <laughs> I'm a grandfather now. I'm, I just went and took the kids to the backyard again. I didn't know what a backyard again was. <laughs> they got to see Nemo, you know, three times a day. And I love, I love those little, uh, what are they? Seagulls, the seagulls. And the way the seagulls talk is mine, 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 mine. Sounds like a lot of church people I know. (laughs) Nobody said anything was mine. They understood it all belonged to God. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. Why not? Because no one considered everything they had was mine. Mine, mine, mine. They'd see somebody in need and they would meet the need. 
They'd see somebody hurting, they would help with the hurt. They'd see someone in pain, and they would take away the pain. Lord, help us to get there. And I know, you know what? This doesn't discourage me. You know, we're not where we need to be, but thank God we're not where we were. And we're continuing to grow. But wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be fabulous? If we had the kind of church fellowship where people who were in need were able to have a place of safety and, and others would just willingly step forward and help in needs. Now we're talking legitimate needs. Now if you're a lazy bum and you're hungry, starve. In fact, that's what the Bible says. It does. He says if somebody won't go out and get a job and work, don't feed them jack squat. My translation, but that's basically what he said. You know, but you're talking to somebody who's working, they're doing everything they can, and sometimes you get in a bad place and you're struggling and stuff. Wow, what a fellowship where if we'd be of such a mind and accord and sensitive to needs around us, and we hear that someone is just struggling and dying for, for $300. You know what I'm talking about? Now, when you're really hurting and you don't have $300, it seems like a million dollars. You don't know what's going to come from. There's a whole bunch of us in here that $300 isn't much of anything. And we could be in a position to help. Man, to have that kind of heart to help and to minister and to be there for people and to encourage people. Wow! Man, I'm telling you, when that kind of spirit, that kind of thinking uh, gets to the point where it actually affects stuff that you own and you go from this to this. Oh, man! Then churches start doing powerful things. That's when the ground starts shaking. And everybody will, Green Bay will go, Hochi Mama, look at those cats. We can get there. Stephen's point too. <laughs> from time to time, those who own lands or houses sold them. Why? So they could bring the money from the sales. Put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, that's a long way to go. Then it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, from whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Uh, why would he stop to actually mention this guy named Barnabas? Because we're about to see a little bit down the line um, how Barnabas hooks up with this new uh, believer whose name had been Saul. Saul! We say Saul. But then he became Paul, which means Paul. And Paul and Barnabas went out and started changing the world. And this is the first place where we find out about Barnabas. Don't you love this stuff? I just think it's so cool. We are going to see, I'm telling you, we're talking Jedi Master stuff. These guys are going to do stuff that I would love somebody to do a movie someday on this stuff. And really show what these guys did. They did stuff that they make up in other movies. I mean, this, we're just scratching the surface here. These guys were really something. And they saw miracles and stuff and experienced the power of God in ways that, wow. And it almost became commonplace to them. See, the beautiful thing about experiencing miracles and God moving in your life and, and in the church's life, they didn't just instantaneously get there. But you see little miracles. And then you feel comfortable enough to believe God for a bigger miracle. And then something else happens. And we see this miracle and that miracle. All of a sudden, money comes available for something we thought we'd never be able to do. And all of a sudden, we're doing it. And what happens? Your expectations just start to rise. 
You just start to get full of confidence, full of faith, full of expectation. And God just keeps doing cooler and cooler things. That's what I want to happen for us here as a congregation, wherever we're connected with this church. Right now, we're just, we're just down here still. We're just baby steps. And we're just now still trying to sell houses. Okay? And pretty soon, we're going to expect greater things and bigger things. And pretty soon, you know, when something really cool happens, we won't be so amazed. We'll be go, well, of course that happened. It's God. It's Jesus. This is what he does. He just splashes grace all over the place. And then, and, and, and as it grows, these guys keep doing bigger and cooler and more amazing stuff as we read how this goes. Why? Because they started experiencing little things in, in the beginning. You know, just the fact that, you know, stuff would go their way and all of a sudden they pray and a little ground would shake. Whoa, that's cool. You know, and, uh, and, and on and on it goes. And anyway, great fun. We'll, we'll pick it up again next week. Same time, same channel. See you then.